This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is our first episode of 2021. We hope everybody enjoyed every episode that we had for you in the year of 2020, but it is a new year. It is a new Pittsburgh Penguins team, and it is a new Tip of the Iceberg podcast as we are here to get better every single show and give you guys the best Penguins content that we can imagine. So we have a very long show for you guys today we're getting into the entire league so if you like to learn about the entire league we're gonna have that for you this episode giving our predictions of the 2021 nhl season that is standings from every one of the new divisions as well as awards and we're also going to get into of course our pens poll which is our normal thing but before that we were gonna try to record this on friday that didn't work because one of our guests showed up so we had to go back and do our interview and you will learn who that guest is for one of next week's episodes. But the one thing that is good that that happened, we definitely got some pens news afterwards. So we have that to talk about first. Let's talk about the fun stuff before we get into the, the kale and the bad stuff of it. Let's talk about the John Marino signing. But before we get into all that, Horwat, how are you doing, buddy? Doing good. I'm not tired. Like I was last time we tried to record this episode and Luckily, there's more news to happen. Um, it was for the first time in a long time that I was able to log into work on a Sunday morning, and there was stuff to do. I, I, it wasn't a slow Sunday for once. Yeah, if anybody out there is in the news industry, they know that Sundays, I mean, the entire weekend, basically, but for the most point, Sundays are dead. There is nothing to talk about. It also depends on what sort of news you're in. I mean, my situation, there's... If, weekends are usually slow if you're like big time news you're covering stuff no matter what anyway but yeah for once i was able to cover some local news that was relevant and not uh a complete dead couple hours to my morning and that story you're mentioning is of course the story that has us all smiling ear to ear right now and that is the pittsburgh penguins inking john marino to a contract extension before the beginning of the season which is huge for the penguins i'm sure we're both going to mention that but the Penguins signed John Marino to a six-year, $4.4 million extension. Now, that 4.4 is, of course, yearly. And he was set to become an RFA after this season. So the Penguins snatching him up before they could get his sample size of this season. Horwat, let's start out with the fact of just what did you think of the signing when you saw it? I thought it was a great move. 4-4 four, four is a really low number for him, I feel like, because if he would have had this year as well to go off of, he would have had two 56-game seasons and they, even if they looked identical to each other, um, he's worth far more than 4.4 at that point. And he's pushing six, I'd say, even uh, maybe not p- too much for far past six five, but being able to get him for damn near two million dollars under that is um, it's another team friendly deal. We have quite a few of those now, and he's just the newest one, and he's the youngest one, and he's probably got the brightest future out of anyone who's got those very friendly deals. Yeah, the big thing is he's 22 years old. So last year he played as a 21-year-old in his rookie season. We both mentioned several times he finished seventh in the Calder voting whenever he wasn't even supposed to make the team out of camp. So that was already a great season. Then let's talk about the fact that, and thanks to Jay Fresh on Twitter, 
and all of the stuff he put put out is John Marino had one of the best seasons defensively than any other defenseman in the NHL, not only rookies. So he had a great season last year. That itself should have warranted a contract extension. But as you mentioned, good for Jim Rutherford to get this deal done before this season because we can only expect he's going to have a similar, if not, he might regress a little bit because of how good he was last year, but he's 22. So most of the time, he's going to improve. And that is a good sign for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Before I even saw the contract term, and I just saw, I mean, the, the terms, meaning the money. Yep. I saw that it said, John Marino signs a six-year extension with Pittsburgh. I was ecstatic. I didn't care what the number was going to be. Now, I put out on social media that I thought it was going to be 4.25. And, of course, a couple minutes later, it came out to 4.4, which is anything under five is a bargain for this guy. Yep. So, I'm extremely excited to see him. Now, of course, the Penguins have locked up John Marino, Brian Dumoulin, Marcus Pedersen, and Mike Matheson for at least the next three seasons. That's those four guys. Now, say what you will about Matheson. There's still a lot to be said. Those other three guys have been a fixture in the Penguins lineup. Now, the last season especially, and previous seasons with Pedersen and Dumoulin. So that is good for the Pittsburgh Penguins to have these guys locked up at half-decent numbers. Matheson, like I said, is a different story, but this is a bargain for a guy like John Marino. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we have 26 and a half million loaded into our defensive core next year but aside from that i mean that's our aside from that our defense as it stands right now should be almost the exact same next year barring trades or injuries or anything of that sort minus cody cc so it's a net positive there already um we extend marino out he's now the he's got the longest contract on the team now if anybody cares to know that going through 2027 um him and Matheson um, have the longest contracts. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Marino. And yeah, I mean, he should be up there as the core of the defense going future, as the leader of the defense going future, going forward. And just at age 23, I mean, he's a little older as for going into a second season than a lot of guys are, but um, that's, that's not too bad. You like where his position is. You like the money and you like the term. It's, all a great deal all around and if shit hits the fan there's no clauses on it he's gone he doesn't have a modified no trade clause or anything in there i didn't get to, to look at that portion of it yet nothing unless those come wow. out far later than anything else there are no clauses on this deal man that that even is an even bigger deal than for jim rutherford because to be able to have the flexibility not that we're saying anything's going to happen to john marino because as you said it there and as we've pegged it since really the middle of last season, he's going to be the heir apparent to Chris Letang whenever Chris Letang decides to step out yeah. or whenever Chris Letang's game declines to the point where John Marino takes it from him. There's some people saying that that could happen this season at some point, that John Marino's going to take over from Chris Letang. Now, while I think that's a, that's a little bit... Yeah, that's a bit of a jump. That's a bit of a jump there because I think Chris Letang is still going to be the number one defenseman this year. Next year is a possibility to me, and the year after that, I think, is a definite. Mm -hmm. So getting this guy signed, and then also the big thing is the way it's structured in real money, it's very backloaded, which helps the Pittsburgh Penguins when it comes to the salary cap and money issues when it comes to the COVID crisis right now. It'll be back-ended, so about 2025, 2026, 2027, whenever, hopefully, this COVID stuff is far in the rear view and we're getting sellouts after sellouts, then is when he's going to be the most money, which is when the Penguins will not have to worry as much 
about paying it. So, of course, John Marino helping out the Pittsburgh Penguins in that aspect. This is really just it, all things good for the Pittsburgh Penguins and Jim Rutherford. I was extremely happy with the contract. I was extremely happy with the number, extremely happy with the player. And it seems like a lot of the Penguins fans are. It seems like the entire organization is. And it seems like John Marino is set and doesn't have to worry about going and playing in a contract season. Going to go out there and hopefully play his game at the beginning in that second defenseman role. Yeah, that's always what you want. You want guys going in um, without the thought of uh, making a bad play and maybe costing them a million dollars or whatever. You're going in and now you're playing your game because you're, you don't have that knack, that knack on you. It's the, the weight is kind of lifted off your shoulders. Granted, they're hockey players and that dis- and they can say that that discussion or that thought isn't in their mind which I mean for the most part I kind of do believe like these guys aren't fully worried about every little play they make affecting their money down the line but it has to pop up at some point because I mean your agent's usually talking to you but with that being said him being signed out with a year left on his ELC is phenomenal and going forward it's it shouldn't bother him it shouldn't nag him and he'll be here until either either he's a free agent or we trade him. Which either way, I mean, I don't think either I don't think either will happen. There might be another contract in his future down the road. Yeah, when it comes to John Marino, I know we're very excited about what we've seen here today. We were excited about last season, but I mean, think about the fact that 18 months ago. When somebody said John Marino, we had the same reaction that everybody outside of Pittsburgh had today when he signed that contract, and it was, who? Yeah. Who's who's this John Marino kid? And of course, anybody in Pittsburgh, anybody that paid a pension, uh, paid a pension, paid attention to the Pittsburgh Penguins last year, know exactly who John Marino is. And for the people that don't, you're gonna find out sooner rather than later. Congratulations to John Marino. Congratulations to Jim Rutherford on a great signing. I know that sometimes we we badger him even at the littlest thing on every single signing, every single move. But this is something that as of right now, and it seems like it's going to be that way for the entirety of this contract, it is a fantastic signing for both the player and the team. It's going to look like a bargain in a couple of years is my prediction. Yeah. But before we move on, any last thoughts on Marino before we get to the vegetables of the Pens news over the weekend? No, I just – Marino's a great deal. It's another great deal for the team, which is what you want to see, and just other names that have a great deal. Brian Dumoulin at 4-1 for another couple seasons. Um, Brian Rust for this season and next to three five, and Jake Gensel at six million. These are all great deals. That, um, yeah, we like you mentioned we give Jim Rutherford flack, but it's stuff like this that keeps him around for a yes. reason, and why we don't really push for firing him. And the big thing that you mentioned there is all those other names at great numbers. And as much as we don't like to talk about it, the end of Crosby and Malkin is coming near. So yep. the way that the team is set up going forward after that especially with salary cap space what they can spend in free agency and what they can spend in this place and that place at trade deadlines it's going to be important so signing these good players that are young to great deals like this is something that's going to keep the penguins afloat after they lose their superstars which again a couple years down the future so i will digress on that point but one of the bad things from this weekend, because there's always a good news and there's always a bad news, but prior to the John Marino signing on Sunday, we found out that Kasperi Kapanen has yet to report to Pittsburgh Penguins training camp as it opened up on Sunday the 3rd, which is also good news, but Kapanen not being there is not. He is still in Finland dealing with some visa issues, will be 
quarantined for seven days once he finally reaches Pittsburgh and will probably miss all of the one-week training camp as well as the beginning of the season. That is a high possibility that he misses at least the first game, possibly more. Horwat, how big of a deal is Kasperi Kapanen not being able to get to the United States on time? It's brutal, but I mean, yeah, you don't want to see it, but you can't fault it. You can't blame fault on anyone here in this sort of situation. We're in a world where it's effing hard to travel. It, like it's hard to travel nationally, let alone go across borders, especially from Finland. I mean, you know, Finland was kind of hard on um, COVID stuff, but if it was a country like Sweden, I mean, they didn't care at all the entire time it seems. So at least he's not coming from there, and he still has to have. He will still have to do the quarantining, which makes sense. I think trades that involve players going over the border and do the same thing. It's going to be a weird season, um, but you can't fault him for it. It hurts. It's not fun. It's not what you want to see, but you, there's no one at fault here. It's just the way the world is right now. Um, and as for how it's going to affect going forward, I I don't think it'll affect too, too much. I mean, we'll just start with someone else in the top on the top line, I guess. And it's it was there was a big question on going into the season of how long Kapanen would be on the first line before he got demoted uh he might get demoted a lot quicker than we thought because who knows if the first line of um Crosby Gensel and whoever they decide to put there that flies off I mean Kapanen's going to the third line like that no hesitation because you don't want to break something like that up I mean it will depend on what happens but um if Kapanen can grow his game after coming back, then if he deserves a spot, he deserves a spot. I just don't think it'll happen right away for him anymore. When it comes to traveling from Finland, as you mentioned, it's pretty difficult in the first place. We saw this with goaltender Emil Larmy whenever they had the return to plague training camp where he had trouble getting into the United States and it took him a couple of cracks at it to get outside of Finland. So it's happening right now with Kapanen. Like you said, we can't really blame him we have no idea how long he's been dealing with this issue. To think that he just tried to come to the United States three days before training camp is also asinine. Yeah. Uh, he's been trying for a while, I would imagine, because he does still have that seven-day quarantine, whether or not he was going to run into these issues or not. So odds are Kapanen was scheduled to be here in plenty of time for camp. But of course, customs and visas and everything with COVID has prohibited that. So that is why he's going to be here late. But it is a massive deal for Kasperi Kapanen. And honestly, it is a pretty big deal for the team. If you look at Kasperi Kapanen, the acquisition to bring him to Pittsburgh from Toronto was kind of the centerpiece of general manager Jim Rutherford's offseason. This was the move that he made to show everybody where his direction was this offseason. And the fact that that centerpiece is not going to be here on opening night, January 13th, against the Philadelphia Flyers is a big deal. They've stated several times that he is pegged to be on that first line with Sidney Crosby. No ifs, ands, or buts. Didn't matter how he performed in training camp. He was on that first line right wing. Now he will not be there on opening night. He will not be there when he gets here, as you mentioned, and I believe in the same way. There's no way, considering the practice schedule, which is going to be basically non-existent for the Penguins, there's no way that they're just going to throw him out there on the first line the second he gets to the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. He's going to start on the third line, possibly the fourth line, to get his feet under him, to get some game action, because they don't want to throw him on that first line and handcuff Crosby and Gensel just because 
Barry Kapanen is trying to get his game up to speed, and it's nobody's fault, as you mentioned. It's just an uncomfortable and not a great situation for the Penguins. So as far as who goes up there, we'll talk about that in a second, but Kasperi Kapanen, hopefully he gets into the country sooner rather than later. Hopefully he gets into the country before the season starts so he can maybe get a practice or two in before that January 13th day after his seven-day quarantine. Who knows where the situation is going to go? We're going to have to keep an eye on it. Hopefully he gets in here soon. But other than that, it's a matter of who's going to step in for him because I feel like he's probably going to play on that third line. Now, Horwat, who do you think is going to probably step in? And, of course, this is all based on what Mike Sullivan's going to end up wanting to do in training camp, but who would you peg up there for the first line right wing if Kapanen can't make it here in time, which it looks like he won't? Um, I'm actually not sure. My assumption would just have to be it's Jared McCann who can just kind of play any forward position. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, I just don't see too many other names that – could be eligible i mean josh curry don't don't know that name he's not even gonna make it probably um it'll be interesting i i would just assume it's gonna be jared mccann for now uh, which means evan rodriguez probably has a slot to make the opening night roster now or colton sevier it's gonna be a weird team this year no matter what um as for where people slide in with uh the captain situation just another um thing to watch for and I just want to know if Kapanen's having issues getting over what about these other European players what happened with them I mean I guess they all I mean obviously they all got over but I mean like Ricola I guess didn't have an issue or if he did it he figured it out a long time ago we also don't know where they're coming from how many exactly. of them came from Finland and if Ricola even went back because some players just stayed in North America after last year yeah and I understand that too I mean I, I mean I don't know where these guys live I don't know what they do in the offseason um, but we know like a guy like Cam Lee, right? He was in Russia playing for a minute. So he had to come back over. Who knows exactly, but yeah, I think it'll probably be Jerry McCann sliding into that spot. It'll just be a weird bottom six, which it was going to be all season anyway. And with that being said, I don't think it's too much to worry about, worry about. Um, the only, I think, I think you hit the panic button if they say, yeah, he's not going to be able to make it for a little while. And it's weird because you can't treat him like an injured player because he can't be there with the team. He can't really train with the team at all. He can't travel with the team. And the problem being, he's also a new player. If this was a guy that has been on the team and has played on lines with some of these guys before, it's not as big of an issue. But I think it is a bigger issue because this is Kasperi Kapanen's first year with the Pittsburgh Penguins since the trade. He has yet to practice with anybody on this team. I mean, he might have, you know, optional skate or might have practiced with him five years ago when he yeah. was a, a young upcoming rookie in the Penguins organization before the Kessel trade. But at the same time, he's going to need to get here. He's going to need to get compatibility with some of these guys very quickly. And it's just one other thing that's going to be a challenge going into this season. And when we're talking about people that are going to be taking his spot in the meantime, you mentioned Jared McCann. I think that is a terrific idea. I think Jared McCann has played on that line. I think Jared McCann has played well on that line, and he will again if they put him there. But the big thing with Jared McCann this year is they are trusting him to take over a big depth scoring role. That was what was going to happen before the Kapanen issues, and I think that's what they need to stick with now. I mean, the big problem with McCann last year was the fact that he was really good at the beginning, then he wasn't good at the end, and he really needs to find some stability And I don't think starting him on a first-line role where it's going to be temporary and have a date, expiration date, that is, 
is a good idea for Jared McCann. I think they should stick with him on the third line because he plays a different style when he's on the first line than he's going to play when he's on the third line. So let him try to stick in the style that is going to get the most production in the third line. I think Brandon Tanev is the guy that you want to go with because this could be one game, this could be five games. But the thing that about Brandon Tanev is you're pegging him right now as a fourth-line winger with Teddy Bluger and Colton Sevier is what I've seen. But if you put him up on that first-line right wing, he has shown that he can play top-line minutes with Malkin last year at certain points, but also Brandon Tanev plays the same way, whether he's on the first line, the third line, the fourth line, even I'm sure if he's a healthy scratch, he's still going 90 <laughs> miles an hour wherever he's at. The thing being, the point being, Brandon Tanev plays the same way either way, and I think he's somebody that will be good on that first line as a holdover piece. I don't think he should stay there all year, but I think if you're having him there for five even if it's as much as 10 games, I think he'll be able to get the job done and open things up for Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel that Jared McCann wouldn't be able to do. And I also think the basically re what's the word I'm looking for. I don't know the, the re adjusting to getting down to the fourth line will not take as long as it would for McCann going back to the third line. Yeah. You're probably right about that. I like that choice too. I mean, we'll just have to see it's with McCann. It is just consistency issues and that's what we want from him. It's just some consistency, no matter where in the lineup he may be. Um, but overall, I mean, Tanev would be fun too because I think he's he's someone who's got that ability to be there. Um, I just didn't know what position he was exactly. Uh, flipping through the Penguins roster online, uh, he it had him listed as a left wing, so I didn't even kind of look at it. But that makes a lot of sense too. Flipping him, he can. He's another guy that can kind of play anywhere at any line because he plays the same style no matter where. I mean. Yeah, it's not high scoring or high flying, but he's, you know, crashing bodies and creating space, which is kind of what you want um, for your first line anyway. It's something that Kapanen is also able to do, just maybe not to the extent that Tanev would be able to do, but I think either guy would work. And, you know, I mean, this is why we're not the coach, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's also, like, something to be said about possibly pushing Zucker back up with Crosby, yeah. which is a possibility, and then putting somebody else on Malkin's line. But the big thing for me is don't mess your entire lineup up just to fix one hole. Right. So, I mean, it's a possibility we could see it. We'll have to see later this week in training camp. But as of right now, it's just guessing as to who Mike Sullivan is going to put there to answer that question and, and just a blind hope because Perry Kapanen can figure out all of the border issues between now and the start of the season at least. Exactly. So that is all the Pens news we had. Uh, of course, 22 minutes that we did not expect, but we always love when Pens news comes across the wire, especially news like John Marino. We're very excited for him. But as we mentioned, we have a lot of league news to talk about. We're going to predict each division <laughs> standings as well as the overall awards for the NHL this season. We're going to start right now with the standings, and we're going to start in our own division because why not? We're already talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's start in the East Division. We're going to give you our 8-5, to five, and then we'll go to the top four who, are, of course, are going to be the teams that qualify for the playoffs. Horwat, who are your number eight to number five teams? All right, my number eight to number five. I'm starting with the bottom, the seller, number eight. I know that they've done a little bit of moving and shaking this offseason, but I'm still going Buffalo at the bottom because uh, reasons of Buffalo, and I, I don't need too much more. Yeah, they have cool new jerseys. Yeah, they have Eric Stahl, apparently. I forgot about that one. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they have Taylor Hall, but who knows if he's staying all season? Who knows what they're going to be able to do? Yeah, you have J Jack Eichel. Again, 
you almost traded him this offseason. Who's to say you're not going to do it now? The Buffalo's weird. Buffalo is not a team that I have a lot of faith in getting a ton of wins, especially in a shortened year. So they're at the bottom for me. Following them up is going to be New Jersey because of reasons of New Jersey. You're young. You have a bright future. It's just not going to be this year. Uh, and then the following two is the two New York teams, the Islanders and the Rangers. Um, the Rangers, I think, will just miss the playoffs because they made some good moves. They have some good players now. I mean, a number one, a number two overall pick in consecutive years will do that. And that goaltending tandem, while it is young and new, might be able to steal some shows. So I think they're going to just miss the playoffs. And as for the Islanders, just a short season like this, it's not your year to play that kind of style. That slow defensive style isn't what teams are going to be going for. Um, they're going to eat it up this year, I think, because teams are playing faster. Teams are going to be wanting more wins and quicker succession. And unless that defense can hold – how many games are there, 56? Unless that defense and the Islanders can put up 10, 12 shutouts this year, they're not going to get a ton of wins. <laughs> and the big thing about that is the way that you have to play to play that defensive style. You have to be hauling ass the entire time. You have to literally be – playing at 100% 100% of the time because if you don't it's not going to work and that is why they are where they are on my standings projected and I'll get to that in a second but my last place team is the New Jersey Devils it, it's not something that has anything to do with what they've done in the past two off seasons and what Tom Fitzgerald has done since he took over there in New Jersey it's more to do with this division and that is going to be a big story about this entire season is how good this division is in the east and unfortunately only four teams can make it and unfortunately somebody has to finish last and I think that's going to be New Jersey I just don't think they're quite ready to contend in a division with this many really powerhouses to be completely honest I think the future is bright for them but it's just not quite right now and you were mentioning the Islanders and I also agree but my seventh team is the New York Islanders I think that Teams figured it out towards the end of last season that they cannot play that game on a consistent level, and they got tired. They definitely benefited from the stoppage of play going into the playoffs because they could reboot, recalibrate, and they went into the playoffs fresh where they could play that style. And it took them to the Eastern Conference Finals, and that's not a team to be joked about, especially when they're led by Barry Trotz. But something about this season just doesn't seem right for the New York Islanders to me, and that's why I think they finished in seventh. In sixth place, I'm giving a little bit more to the Buffalo Sabres than you are. I think Taylor Hall is going to be great in Buffalo. I also think Jack Eichel is going to finally be able to carry them to something a little bit greater than a last place position. And unfortunately, it's not going to be good enough in this division because of how good this division is. But I do think they're going to finish in sixth place, and I think they're going to be a very competitive team throughout the season. And in fifth place is the Philadelphia Flyers, which is a kind of a, a crazy pick for people. I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but I do agree that the Philadelphia Flyers were really good last season. They were definitely the hottest team before the stoppage. They definitely played pretty good in the playoffs, and Carter Hart has shown me a lot. But here's the problem with that. This division is tough, and I have to see Philadelphia do it this quickly. It's going to be, can we see the Philadelphia Flyers build off of what they did last year? And even if they can, it's going to be a question to me if whether they can build off of last season as much as they're going to be able to beat the guys ahead of them. And, of course, if you're – Keeping score at home, you know which four teams I have ahead of them, and I'll get into that in just a second. But the Philadelphia Flyers, I think it's going to be close for them. I'm not saying they're going to miss the playoffs by 10 points. They might miss the playoffs by a single point, but it's going to be close. I just feel like they fall out towards the end of the season. And Horwat, I'm going to continue with my 
top four, and then I'll let you finish it off mm-hmm. just just for flow's sake because I'm already on a roll here. Go Fourth ahead. team, I think, is the New York Rangers for all the reasons you said and more. I mean, you said this is an electrifying team that overperformed last year and then added somebody like Alexi Lafreniere, added some good experience for Adam Fox and Capo Caco, who are two of their young stars, as well as their two young goalies in Georgiev and Shesterkin. And now they have the training wheels taken off. They have the training wheels are gone. I mentioned that a couple weeks ago. Henrik Lundqvist was their training wheels, and he is gone. He is no longer in the organization, and of course, he's no longer in the league as of right now. We wish him all the best, as that situation seems like it's getting worse. So prayers go out to Hank, but his former team is going to make the playoffs this year. That I feel that very strongly they're going to be able to edge out the Philadelphia Flyers. I think Lafreniere is hopefully everything we expected, because I'm excited to see him play. And I think the, the Broadway Blue Shirts sneak into the playoffs here. I also think it's going to be close between them and my number three team, which is the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm not going to get into too much detail about what I think about the Penguins because I've been speaking about it since August, and I'm going to be speaking about it for the next six months. So Pittsburgh Penguins at three. I think the Washington Capitals are at two. I think it's a tight race between them and Boston. The Capitals have won five straight division titles in the Metro. That is impressive. That is nothing to be joked about. And yes, I do have a bet with Hockey Troll that whichever team goes furthest, Ah. the loser has to wear a jersey of the others on every after hour. So Penguins... While I don't think they're going to beat Washington in the regular season standings, I think they'll go further in the playoffs, so I won't have to wear that ugly red color on my chest during after hours. I think the Capitals come in second, which means, of course, I think the Boston Bruins come in first. I think they overcome the loss of Pasternak and Marshawn early in the season. I think their goaltending is just too good to be denied this year. And honestly, they've lost a lot. It's going to be tough, but I feel like they're still going to finish in top. Horwat, your top four, please. Yeah, my top four. Um, Number four, I have Washington. I think they just barely make it. I don't like the moves they've made this offseason, and I've been vocal about it. Chara's, I'm sorry, Chara's washed. Yeah, okay, you got a six foot nine monstrosity who can play the body. Cool. Anyone can play the body, just a matter of how well he can play on defense. And I don't know how well he can play on defense at his advanced age as well. I think I, what I said was the only thing he improves is there, or at least increases is their jersey sales their average height and their average age and their and guess what their average age is now the oldest in the league yeah so that's not helpful for them especially in a league where you're trying to get younger and faster i'll leave it at that they also picked up justin schultz which again we saw what schultz <laughs> looked like at the end of last season it wasn't good i mean maybe he turns it around maybe he doesn't who knows but my eyes again they it turns to the signings like of uh, Schultz, Chara, and who is it? Yeah, Connor Sherry. Okay, good good luck with him. And then it beyond that, it's now their goaltending situation. Samsonov is supposed to be really good. What if he's not? Who knows? We haven't seen that yet. You had Lundqvist. Well, now you don't. And it sucks that you don't. Even before Lundqvist's uh, situation, who knows if he was actually going to be that great anyway? Let's be real. He's old just like Chara is. Who knows if they still have it? It's just a big old bunch of question marks for the Capitals. I mean, it's not enough to knock them out of the playoffs because this division is either very top-heavy or very bottom. They're still a top team, and I still think they'll squeak into the playoffs. Uh, Number three of the Flyers, another team that I just don't know what to think of them because they are a weird team, and we'll just have to see how it plays out. I'm not going to go too much into detail to them either. Or the Penguins, who I have at number two. This is just me being confident as all hell in this team, all right? It might not be the smartest, but I don't care. I'm confident in this team. I just want something to be excited about, and I know we're excited about this team. And number one is Boston for the same reasons you said. 
get they're gonna get past their injury bugs quickly and let's be real i think they improved on defense by losing chara <laughs> yeah they lost krug as well that one didn't hurt or didn't help but um we'll see i mean they're gonna be playing against chara a lot this year too it's gonna be interesting to see um how boston decides to turn the season around without with without him and i'm assuming they make berger on the captain right away they better yeah so there's no other answer to that yeah so that's how boston looks i mean assuming rask is able to still be tuka rask and not have retirement conversations every other day they should be fine they should be an interesting team they'll probably be number one because i mean boston just gives every other team in this division fits that's all it is they like playing against these guys and they usually have a pretty good handle on them it's going to be a big season to see what Charlie McAvoy is made of, especially yeah. like, like I said, training wheels are off in New York. Training wheels are definitely off for McAvoy up in Boston, losing Krug and Shara, who was his longtime defense partner. So we'll see how he does. We'll see how Bergeron does, especially because he's basically the only healthy guy that was on their starting roster yeah. last year. Give him the C. He's deserved a C basically for at least five seasons. So it would be nice to hopefully see them do the right thing and give him the captaincy. That's our East Division standings. Let's jump into the North Division, which, of course, we, the North, which, of course, is the Canadian Division. Going to be an interesting one this year. Definitely a lot of rivalries. Definitely the media north of the border is going to have a lot of fun in these 56 games. But let's start with our 7-5, to five, the guys that are out of the playoffs. Horwat, I'll tell you mine really quickly. Not going to get into it too much because I really don't see two of these teams even having a chance, and that is Ottawa at 7, Winnipeg at 6. Ooh. Ottawa is still rebuilding they're doing the right things timmy stutzla just had a fantastic year at world juniors he's going to be good for them i think looking at ottawa's roster they're going to be a lot better than they were last year they're going to be decent but i don't think they're going to be able to compete in this division i think some of the teams in the top are a little too good and i think winnipeg on the same side i don't think they did enough to impress me uh, they still don't have a defense it's still neil pionk and his band of merry men yes connor hellebuck is coming off of a vesna caliber season but at the same time, it just it doesn't seem right to me for Winnipeg. And then, of course, my fifth team. This one is going to be close, and I think Montreal comes in fifth and just barely misses the playoffs. I am not going and lashing out at these guys because of what they did to the Penguins in last year's playoffs, I promise. It is just a fact that I think the four teams ahead of them are a little bit further ahead. Horat, what is your 7-5? to five? My 7-5, to five, uh, I agree Ottawa's probably going to be at the bottom. And then I have Montreal at six. Again, I'm not lashing out either. I just don't see them being that great of a team because they are Montreal. They're weird. Carey Price is probably about to have, a, have it off here because it's it's an odd year. You know, isn't he usually one of those yeah. boys that's back and forth? Um, and then beyond that, I think Edmonton just misses again because Ooh. reasons of like reasons like Buffalo. Yeah, Edmonton. You have you have great players, but what happens, man? Every year, what happens? I just don't see it for them again. Who's their goaltender yeah. this year? Koskinen and Smith again. Ooh, yeah, no, that's you're not stopping pucks again. Plus, I've said it multiple times, your defense is sketchy at best. It is. I'm sorry. I I don't have their roster in front of me, but and Oscar Clefbon's out for a long time Ooh. as well. He was one of their bright spots. And even I, even I would say, Ooh. but yeah. So it's gonna be a sketchy defense. It's gonna be a team that again is going to be carried by two people and two people only. And maybe James Neal does something. Who knows? Is he even there again this year? Yes, James Neal is still there. All right, so maybe. Well, who knows? But I just don't see it happening for them. 
Two guys can only carry your team so far. All right, why don't just keep it going? You're on a roll four to one. What what do you got, Horwath? All right, I got th- who's making the playoffs up in Canada? Four. I got Toronto squeaking in because again they have made some weird moves. They made some interesting moves. They are about to run Frederick Anderson out of town. Um, so they're about to lose a goalie probably. Who knows what happens exactly? You don't think they're gonna start their backup any- anymore now that they finally have one? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's such okay. a weird huh. team. But aside from like goalies aside. They signed Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons, and re-signed Spezza, who, yeah, they're all great guys to kind of have around. But, oof, I I, heard, I saw somewhere and heard somewhere that they're trying to pin uh, Thornton with Marner and Matthews. Oh, no. Pardon my French. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that is a big... Why? No, don't do that. Don't like, do that. I get signing them. I, I understand. Like, I truly do get signing them, but putting him on that line seems a little much the team just it's they're not striking me as a team that's gonna really make a ton of noise enough to make the playoffs in that weird division but not enough to really make noise and be a top a top tier team in that division uh then i got calgary i like the additions they've made i like you know i like their jerseys obviously and i like i just like this team they have a great team you expect them to do more in the playoffs they're one of those kinds of teams and that has always kind of started with Johnny Goudreau and you know guys like that. Um, then I'm going Vancouver, so that leaves Winnipeg, who I'll get into as the top team for me. Listen, say what you want about that defense, but I mean Connor Hellebuck is was the Vesna winner and might fight for it again this year. Yeah, it's Neil Pionk, but Josh Morrissey is nothing to be scoffed at. Lucas Spees is pretty decent. What? I'll say it. I don't care. Tucker Pullman, like they have guys that now have more experience. They've gone out and they've kind of added to it. Not also this season, you're not worried about what was going to happen with Dustin Bufflin. That situation is handled. It's over. He's off their minds. Plus, you still have Patrick Line, Brian Little, um, who else is on this team? Oh, Mark Shifley. Like you have a Kyle Connor. You have a bunch of goal scorers up top. This is probably one of the deepest forwards forward cores. In Canada, at least. I mean, adding Nate Thompson, adding Paul Stasny back, having a full season of him. I think that forward core is going to be very interesting and might be the reason why they not run away with this division, but kind of give it a push. It's This whole division is going to be close. Let's start there. The whole Canadian division is going to be close. I can agree that it's going to be back and forth all season, but I don't know about close. I think there is a couple teams that are going to run away a little bit more than the rest. And I honestly think it's going to be the top three. I think there's going to be a separation between our number th- my number three and my number four. And the fact is this entire division is very offense-leaning, minus a couple teams, and that's Montreal, who I think is barely going to miss the playoffs, and I think it's Calgary, who is going to make the playoffs at number four. Mm-hmm. I think their defense mixed with basically last year being an off year, this year you have to imagine Calgary is going to go and play off, play pretty well, which I was surprised to hear you you put Calgary as high as you did because you're usually not a Calgary sympathizer. You're usually a guy that goes against the Flames. I go against the Flames in their goaltending decisions. Well, now they have Markstrom, which is kind of an answer. Yeah, exactly. But I, I have them at number four. 
I think they're going to be a good team. And yes, they do have some of the most gorgeous jerseys in the NHL, not just the Canada division. <laughs> but I think that they are a team that will get in at number four and that will probably be a very dangerous team come time for the 2021 playoffs. But that's where I have them is at number four. Number three, I have the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm a guy that enjoys watching the Toronto Maple Leafs because it's like the Harlem Globetrotters. Bleh, Harlem Globetrotters. If I could speak today, it would be a miracle. But the big thing about them is you mentioned they sign Spezza back to another contract. Which I they liked that Simmons. One. Yeah, they signed Brody, who's 30 years old, but that was also a good deal. Yeah, that was And the then they deal. signed Joe Thornton to, well, I believe it was a one-year deal. That's not bad either. But this Toronto Maple Leafs team, as you mentioned earlier, the Capitals are the oldest team in the league. Toronto's second oldest. I couldn't believe it when I saw that. That is hard to believe, especially because a couple years ago, Austin Matthews was a rookie, and a couple years ago, they were one of the youngest teams in the NHL, and now they're all of a sudden the oldest. I don't know why, but it feels like kind of an overcorrection on Kyle Dubas's part. <laughs> you want to try to get a little bit more experience? Well, you definitely have the experience now. We'll see if it was too much or not enough. But that's where I have them is at three. I think they're going to do a good job between Freddie and I'm I'm blanking on their backup's name right now. He came from L.A., though. Jack Campbell. I just can't think of it. Jack Campbell. I was trying – I kept thinking Cal Peterson, but he's still in L.A. Uh, so they're my number three. Number two, I have the Vancouver Canucks. I think this team is going to be an extremely good team this year. I think that the additions they made, I think getting Braden Holpe at a great deal and him and Demko in the net is going to be good. I think they got – What's, I can't think of his name. I'm blanking again. Jeez, I'm having a rough day. But from the Vegas Golden Knights, they were able to get the defenseman that I can't think of that used to play for, for Washington as well. Nate Schmidt. Nate that's Schmidt. who it is. I couldn't think of Nate Schmidt. But they got Nate Schmidt and basically poached him from Vegas because they needed to get rid of cap space, which was a good move. I think the Vancouver Canucks are going to be sneaky good this year. Yeah. Not because of how good they were last year. Obviously, they got to the conference semifinals and almost beat the Vegas Golden Knights with no offense. Like, let's let's not forget about that. And it's not like they didn't have an offense. It's like it just didn't produce. The problem was that Pedersen couldn't produce and Besser couldn't produce and JT Miller couldn't produce where they whereas they were all season. So I think that they're able to figure that out with the benefit of having that experience. I think they come in second, which leaves my first place team, which Horwat, you're definitely surprised that I took these guys as first place, and that's Edmonton. Yep. I think the Edmonton Oilers are ready to go and have a great season. I think if there ever was a year to lean on your superstars, it is one where there's only 56 games and one where they're ready to go all out after having basically a lot of time off. They're just like the Pittsburgh Penguins. They didn't really play that many games in their return to play. So they didn't really use up much energy. I think they're ready. And I think Connor McDavid's going to have a Connor McDavid season. He is a superstar. He is one of the greatest, if not the greatest player in the league right now. Leon Dreisettle coming off of a heart season. He's great. And yes, I understand your issues. The defense, not fantastic. The goaltending, not fantastic, but it was good enough last year to have a pretty good spot. Let's not forget they finished in the same position in the Western Conference last year that we finished in the Eastern Conference last year. So here's the issue. Edmonton added some depth at forward. They got Dominic Cahoon, who everybody knows <laughs> is one of my favorite ex-Penguins right now. They were able to go and keep James Neal, who hopefully with a healthy season will have a good year. And they were able to basically hold base in on the defensive side. Yes, losing Oscar Kleffbaum is a big deal, whether you believe it is or not. But Ethan Bear in his second season, I think is going to play really well. And I think Darnell Nurse will have a good season as well. I think that this team is better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. And I think this is a year that if you're going to lean on your superstars, it's going to pay off. And with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, there is no better bet. You're not wrong. I do, I do get what you're saying. It's just 
it's just a matter of how like how when were the wheels going to fall off last year they benefited from uh the shutdown basically it's awkward to say but they were a team that kind of benefited from it granted they didn't do much with it but um who knows if they would have been in that position going into a regular offseason uh, but I get what you're saying. I do. It's going to be an interesting team. I'm not saying they're missed by much. Whenever I had them at five, I'm saying it's just not their time yet. And I I want to see more on that back end. I really do. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully the Edmonton Oilers figure it out and make me look correct. And hopefully we're correct in our Eastern Division standings predictions as well but we're going to take a real quick break here when we come back we're going to talk about the central and the west divisions just before getting into our nhl awards picks we'll be right back this episode of the tip of the iceberg is brought to you by manscaped the best in men's below the belt grooming offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels got a crazy bush i may not be a contractor but even i know that if you trim your hedges your tree stands taller this is why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to manscaped's new and improved lawnmower 3.0 featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as you just heard Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and use code THPN for 20% off and free shipping. Trust us, your balls are going to thank you. Horwat, we still have the Central and the West Divisions to talk about. We're going to start with the Central Division here. Really, to me, the weakest division in this entire realignment. It might be. Who do you have from 8 to 5 in the Central Division? 8 to 5, I mean, this is a division I'm going to kind of fly through in my explanation because I really don't have much for any of them. But 5 through, or, yeah, 8 through 5, I got Chicago at the bottom. Just It just seems like it's the end of the road. They need to figure it out quickly to rebuild. I mean, they're going into the season with uh, Malcolm Subban and Chris D'Elia at, in net. That's a brutal look, man, that is. They're going to be behind Detroit, who, you know, had a recordly bad season. But Thomas Grice and that should be able to pick him up a couple wins unless they get the Grice that we had. So who knows what Detroit does, but they're not going to improve too much, maybe just more than Detroit. Then it's Nashville and Florida for my 6-5. and five. Florida is just one of those weird teams, man. You want them to be good, you really do. But something about them falls apart every year. This year's going to be no different. And I don't know whose fault it's going to be, though. That's going to be the big question. Is whose fault is it going to be this year for Florida? 
it always seems to peg on somebody, and it's never seemed to be Jonathan Huberto or Alexander Barkov. So put them on. I, good I don't teams. think that'll start the season. Put them on good teams, please. <laughs> yeah, eventually that might happen, or eventually maybe the Florida Panthers will become a good team. I th- and but, I think they will be one day. They could. They had their chance a couple years ago to be a good team. Um, that has kind of faded, but they still have a good opportunity to be a good team. They have a great core with those two it's still possible they could be a good team and they just got to make the right moves and they got to get the right kind of luck. Who knows? Maybe they do squeak in this year, but for now it's just not a possibility to me. And to dig in on Nashville, just a touch. Um, I just don't think that goaltending's got anything left in the tank. Rene has run his course and Saros, I think still has to prove, prove himself, but he's going to be a decent starter. I just don't see it happening yet. It's he's a weird situation. And nobody can get on you for saying that, especially because the Nashville Predators use their first round pick on a goaltender. So it's pretty obvious that they also believe that they need to figure some things out in net. And and I have them at six, but let me go down through my eight through five. Mm-hmm. I think Detroit still finishes in the cellar, uh, mainly because you don't come off of a historically bad season like that. Literally, like you mentioned, the worst in the history of the NHL in 82 games. It was awful. Jimmy Howard was awful. And yes, Thomas Grice is an upgrade to what Jimmy Howard was, but I still think they finish in the basement of this division. I still think there's a lot of way for them to go. They have a lot of young players that couldn't develop a lot this year, and it's going to be a good learning year for them, but I still think they finish in last. I think Patrick Kane can will the Chicago Blackhawks out of last place (laughs) and into seventh place. So that's about as far as they can go, and that's why I'm ironically hanging my Patrick Kane jersey behind me. Is They're going to get in seventh place. He's going to be their team MVP. He's not going to get close to league MVP because they're not going to give it to a team that finishes seventh out of eighth in one of, in probably the third or fourth easiest division to make the playoffs in the NHL this year. Sixth, I go with Nashville. Again, like you said, goaltending, that's a rough subject. Their forward core is questionable at best, and I just don't think the Nashville Predators are going to have a great season. Fifth, surprise here to most people, Columbus Blue Jackets. Ooh, I like that. A lot of people like Columbus going into this season. And it's a good point. This is a good team in the Columbus Blue Jackets, but I just feel like they're not going to have a good season. They do have two young goaltenders that proved last year that they are studs. They have a pretty good defense core. They have a half-decent forward core that can overperform and really raise their level to the level needed to win games. And I think John Tortorella does a good job of getting them to play the way that he wants them to. But something about this season, I feel like they're just going to lose in a close race with the Florida Panthers, who are my number four team. As I mentioned, I do have them a little higher than you. I think Florida finishes in fourth. And for all the reasons you stated, yes, it is questionable, and that's why I could not even come close to putting them higher than this yeah. position. But the big reason that they struggled last year was because of Sergei Bobrovsky not having a great season. Do you really want to bank on him having seasons back-to-back that are as terrible as he did last year? I know I personally don't. And while they did lose guys like Evgeny Dadanov and Mike Hoffman, they added an Anthony Duclair. They added a Patrick Hornquist, so they added a little bit more character, and I think that's going to carry them to a playoff berth. I I like that. I agree with it. I mean, to be fair, Columbus and Florida, they're going to be close all season, mm-hmm. without doubt. I mean, yeah, I said Florida will miss, but I mean, they probably won't miss by much because I do have Columbus sitting at four, just barely squeaking in because they are a weird team, and it's going to be fun not playing them for a season, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't like playing them. I think they're kind of boring sometimes, but uh, we don't get to hear the cannon all year. That's beautiful. Yeah, they're definitely like an annoying little stepbrother. It <laughs> seems like 
it's in the normal metro it's philly new york rangers washington pittsburgh the islanders are kind of like hey we're good and everybody <laughs> ignores them but they're still really good and then columbus says hey we're good and everybody just says shut the hell up yeah. like don't talk to us you're not part of this group right now and it's unfortunate for Columbus, but I feel like that's the way it has played out, and I feel like that's not going to change this year, even though they've moved to the Central Division. But you mentioned at number four you put Columbus. I'll go down through my three through one. I think the defending champion Dallas Stars, and Western Conference champion that is, are going to finish in third with Carolina in second and Tampa coming in first place. I mean, that those first top two are basically layups to me. Well, that's fun. I mean, we had the exact same top three of Dallas, Carolina, Tampa Bay. Um for all the same reasons. I mean, Tampa Bay, yeah, they're losing Kucherov, but I mean, Braden Point. Braden Point. Uh, Vasilevsky and Net, they're the returning cup champions. Y- you assume they're going to have a healthy Stamkos. Probably won't, though, because that's that's Steven Stamkos. I think if anyone has suffered more injuries than you know Crosby, it's probably him. I mean, Crosby may have come across as a little more severe, but I mean, Stamkos is hurt damn near every season. Um, but having him back, they're, just, they're the defending champions. They're going to play like it. There's no reason why they shouldn't. And after that, it's Carolina because they are still a very good young team with a lot to prove. But um, they'll be a good young team, and two is where to have them. And Dallas, it's the team that came in second. And they're a weird team, but they put up pretty solid offense their defense is also just as solid, and um, their goaltending is Ben Bishop, right? Dallas is Ben Bishop and Hudobin still. Still? Okay. I mean, Hudobin's so weird, but he's a backup, but he plays like a starter, so you got that going for you. Dallas is going to be in a good position again. They're one of those teams that you never really talk about, you never really watch, but the next thing you know, they're in the conference finals, and you wonder how the hell they got there. And last year, it just so happened they reached the finals. So they're a good team, and that'll probably just continue for them. Will they be better than Tampa or Carolina? Probably not, but it'll be damn close. It's going to be another close division for the most part, um, but it will be an easier one. So, I mean, plus Dallas playing against Nashville, Detroit, and Chicago eight times each. Those That's a lot of wins. I mean, the same could be said for Carolina. Yeah. And Tampa. Oh, yeah, I mean – the top half of this division is going to obliterate the bottom for the most part. And then there's Columbus and Florida who are going to jockey for position the whole year. That's how this division is going to work out, it seems. Well, let's finish it off with the Western Division. Horwat, what are your number eight through – let's just do eight through one considering it's the last one. Your eight through one standings for the Western Division, and then I'll argue and get into mine. What do you got? At the bottom three, it's another year of the three California teams. It hurts. Oh, I disagree, but go ahead. Oh, I like that you disagree. Okay, San Jose is going to sit at the bottom because they are still just the most questionable team in the league. I'm sorry, Ooh. Martin. We we know my uh, aggression against Martin Jones and the San Jose Sharks. We'll leave it at that. Um, after that's going to be Anaheim. Listen, you guys have Pittsburgh kid John Gibson and Net. Please do better for him. I want you to do better than seven in the division. I do. Above that's going to be L.A. though. So at least L.A.'s winning California. <laughs> Woots winning something, getting out of there. If they were Nashville, they'd put a banner up. <laughs> Best California team uh, for at least six of the last eight years or so. Um, but those are going to be the bottom three. That's six, seven, eight. As for five, 
and four. Again, these are two teams where, again, it's going to be jockeying back and forth all year, and it's just going to come down to the last handful of games. But in five, Minnesota. Ooh, just missing. I, I have said before, and I think I've said it to Hoppy, that this team's going to be a unit in the, in the coming seasons. They really are. Just not this one. Next season. Next season, they might literally be second in the division, however they line up next year. It's just not going to be this one. This is going to be a growing year. It's going to be a hell of a growing year as they're going to just miss the playoffs. But it's an advancement year. They're going to make some noise, and it'll be their year next year. And as for the top four, I mean, let's be honest, one and two. Let's just start with one and two. It's going to be Colorado and Vegas. Is it? I think Colorado is going to run away with this because of reasons of Nathan McKinnon. I got. I don't even need to name the rest of the roster. Yeah, I've said, start argument and argument. Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Edmonton can do that same thing with McDavid, but at the same time, there's more to that. At least there is more to the Colorado Avalanche team. And after that, it's Vegas because they're one of those weird teams. You don't know how the hell they're good, but they are, and they're very good, and they keep getting better. If they figure out their cap situation, they can be a baller of a team. So I got them at number two. And then three and four, St. Louis will be three because reasons of St. Louis. They're a great team. They were two years removed from the Cup. Yeah, they're losing their captain, but they're gaining another good one in Ryan O'Reilly. So mm-hmm. I like St. Louis at three. And I mentioned uh, Minnesota jockeying for position. They're going to be jockeying with Arizona, who's going to squeak in. Arizona's another quietly weird team who can do something. And they just might do something this year. I'm not saying they'll go far in the playoffs, but um, they'll at least make it, I think. How much of your Arizona pick is dependent upon the fact that Darcy Kemper can carry them? Uh, I'm more or less thinking skaters on that team. I forget who exactly is on the roster. I wanted to pull it up. Totally forgot. But I know Phil is there. <laughs> so it's it's because of Phil, though. That That's the big thing. You like Phil Kessel, think, Clayton Keller, yeah, and, Clayton and Schultz, I believe, is still there. You, you like those guys, and, and you know, Vinny and Estraza and everybody like that. You like, you like that team? I do like that team. I mean, like I said, they're going to barely reach, and it'll be a jockey yeah. with position with Minnesota the entire time, but they're going to etch it out in the last couple games, I feel like. It'll be okay. interesting, and that's that's going to be a division to watch, though. That's for certain. Yeah, it, it will definitely be a fun division because even the teams at the bottom have young skaters that will be fun to see how they enter the league. And even the ones that already have entered, it will be fun to see how they play in their second or third seasons. And that's a good point, and I think this is going to be a fun division to watch, yeah. not the fact that we're on the Easter Coast and going to have to stay up late to watch any of it. But I have mine a little bit different than yours, which has been the case the entire time, which I love when that yeah. happens because bragging rights are now on the line between the two of us, and I love winning those things. Oh, yeah, You're probably right. <laughs> But my number eight seed team is L.A. I think they come in dead last in not only the division, but, yes, in the California contest. And I think San Jose is right ahead of them. So I don't put much stock in the San Jose where you definitely don't. But I give them a little bit more than L.A. L.A. is a very young team with a lot of superstars. If you haven't watched the World Juniors, it's basically all Los Angeles Kings and Anaheim Ducks for at least Team USA. So I think L.A. has a bright future. Again, same thing. I think Cal Peterson is going to have a good season. Hopefully he gets a little bit more games played than Jonathan Quick. And then I think it's the San Jose Sharks. I saw something earlier that said their entire training camp thing, a quick two-minute blurb, was Martin Jones giving up bad goals and Eric Carlson getting beat very easily. Oh, because that is easy to do these days. So 
it was not a, a ringing endorsement, but of course this pick is based on some other, of course, key factors. I still don't think the San Jose Sharks are going to be all that good this season. My number six team is the Arizona Coyotes. I'm going to have to ask Corey and Richie from the network who cover the Coyotes to, to please not kill me for this pick, but I feel like they come in sixth. They had one of the roughest, if not the worst off season, as far as off the ice and roster moves go, I feel like, Yes, Darcy Kemper is a great goaltender, but that can only take you so far. I don't know how they're going to do with a captain that doesn't want to be there. That they literally, he said, trade me by then or don't trade me and gave the team an ultimatum. I'm not sure how that locker room goes after that happens. And I just think there's a lot of things the Coyotes need to work out. Do I think that they're in trouble for their future? No, I think they still have a pretty bright future because they have a lot of good prospects down there. I think they need to figure out their current you know, cap situation as well as their draft pick situation, but I don't think this is the year for them. I think they had a good run last year, but it's not going to happen again this year. If I'm wrong, oh well, it wouldn't be the first time I was wrong about something that Phil Kessel did, but <laughs> I'm going to move on from there. I think Anaheim finishes in fifth, and they get the banner Ooh. for the best team in California. I think they take strides this year for a big reason is John Gibson, who you mentioned, is, is a Pittsburgh area kid, and I also think this team has a lot of young players similar to the LA Kings, but they're a lot further along in their progression. Like Sam, I believe it's Sam Steele is his name, and Troy Terry, who are also a couple of years into that progression. I think they're going to come in and make some pretty big strides and get them pretty close to a playoff spot. But to me, I think my top four, Minnesota, you mentioned a lot, and you said that you told State of Hoppy from the Soda Pod here on the network that they're going to be a damn unit. Yeah. You actually told him that right before you cut out for about three minutes, oh, yeah. and both of us made some jokes that ended up blowing back in my face. But I do think that this team will be a damn unit. I agree with you in the future. I think this team squeaks into the playoffs this year, outdoing the Anaheim Ducks. It is going to be a rough travel schedule, so I think it's going to be very impressive that they come in fourth place in this division, especially considering the top three teams are basically a lock. But I think Minnesota makes it. I think would love to see what Kirill Kaprizov is going to bring to this team. I'm going to love to see what Marco Rossi brings to this team. And I think for the first time in a lot of years, no offense to any Minnesota fans that are happening to listen to the show for the first time in a lot of years, they're going to be fun and interesting to watch. So I'm excited for that. And I think they make it to the playoffs. My top three differs a little bit from you. I think Vegas comes in third. Ooh. I think I agree with you. They're a team that is going to be good for a while because they have built themselves very good. I mean, Peyton Krebs at World Juniors is another living proof of that, but they also have a pretty stout core of prospects down there, not to mention the fact that they literally had to give up players like Paul Stastny and Nate Schmidt, who I can now remember his name, <laughs> to bring in a guy like Alex Petrangelo. You mentioned it's a big hit for St. Louis to lose Petrangelo. It is a massive gain for the Vegas Golden Knights to get that name guy on defense. Plus, let's not forget Shea Theodore is really good, and the Vegas Golden Knights have a really good goaltending duo in Flurry and Leonard. But I still think they're going to come in third. I have St. Louis in second. I think somehow they managed to get better, even though they lost Alex Petrangelo, because they answered the bell with Tory Krug, which is huge. And yes, their backup situation is rough, but also another year for Jordan Bennington. I think he comes and has a bounce back year. I think he has a really good year for them. And I feel like Corton Pareko is ready to take over the mantle as the number one defenseman on that team. So St. Louis I have finishing in second, and I agree with you, Colorado, for reasons of Nathan McKinnon, as you so eloquently put it, is going to be in first place, but also the reasons that they are the deepest team in this division, the reasons that they have such good goaltending in Fransos and in Grubauer, 
and because their defense is also one of the most stout defenses in the National Hockey League. Very underrated. It's considering the fact that they're getting ready to not need Ian Cole because Bowen Byram is killing it in juniors as well. But that is my final standings of the West Division. Colorado in first place. Vegas in third. Minnesota making the playoffs in fourth. And St. Louis in second. Horlot, any other overarching thoughts on these teams that we've talked about before we get into awards after another quick break? Yeah, just... I look at the divisions and I like I like these new divisions. I kind of like how they've fallen to, into place. I mean, yeah, the Canada one's weird, but if you got to do it, you got to do it. And I kind of like the way it works. Um, the way everything else looks is kind of nice. Yeah, Minnesota's getting screwed with travel, but someone was getting screwed somewhere. And besides, Florida and Tampa Bay both just laugh at you because they've been traveling um, up and down <laughs> the eastern border their entire lives. So they don't care too much. Plus, I look at some of these divisions and – yeah, it's a lot of very weird teams, but I mean, it's hard to look at a couple of them and say, yeah, there's definitely a standout, full on, gonna be the leader in that division. That's why my first, my why number one in Winnipeg and number one in Canada was Winnipeg. I mean, that's a division where really, normally you're not gonna say any of them are a standout, whole on number one team. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way about the East, but that's mostly because they're all number one teams. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, and you just had to pick one. And yeah, Tampa and or yeah, Tampa and Colorado really do stand out among their pa- among their groups as number ones. But in the West, I mean, Vegas could put up a fight. St. Louis could put up a fight. That's gonna be just a fun one to watch. It's like yeah, Tampa might be the only full on standout number one. But that's also because they just won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to watch. It'll be a ton. It'll be a fun season. I mean eight games against you know each uh, each other team in the division it's gonna make for great entertainment not just great hockey and boy oh boy let's let's build some friggin rivalries here eh, boys all around let's not only build rivalries let's watch some big rivalries get even more bloody i mean not bloody i don't want to see blood but get even <laughs> more hated get even more intense you say let's build new rivalries. I say eight games of the Battle of Alberta is must-see television, and that is what I'm going to finish on. Aren't they getting nine or ten? Because there's Oh, yeah, because they're in Canada, so they might get nine or ten. That's even better. Yeah. Ten games between those two teams? Woo, that'll be great entertainment. But we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about NHL awards, our predictions for those, as well as this week's Penn's Poll. We'll be right back. Did you know that your favorite band also loves your favorite hockey team? If you love hockey and you love music, you're going to love Bar Down Breakdown, a podcast that explores the crossover between alternative music and the sport we love, hockey. Every NHL player wants to be in a band, and every band guy wants to be a pro athlete. With guests from all over the globe, come along with us as we interview some of the most captivating names in alternative music and talk about why we love hockey and how it's influenced us. You know, there was a, for a few seconds, I thought of like, well, maybe we should wear Montreal jerseys. And the NHL was like, mm, I think you should stay neutral. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. So tune in every Tuesday on the Hockey Podcast Network, where we'll have a brand new guest and a unique look into the bridge between hockey and music. Shout out to all of you that are still listening to this very, very long episode, but it is a very fun episode. We always like talking about the entire NHL, 
and especially predicting the entire NHL yeah. because it is going to be a very fun 2021 season. We're very excited for puck drop coming next week, which is hard to imagine. But with that being said, we're going to predict the NHL awards at this point. Last year, I had a couple right. You had a couple right. We did pretty good last year. So let's see if we can continue doing that in this season, which again, similar to last year, is going to be a very weird season. Let's start with the performance awards, the ones that are given not based on voting, but based on performance. Let's start with the Art Ross Trophy. Horowitz, who do you think leads the league in points this year? Oh, I haven't gotten to that note yet. Um, looking around on it, it, the easy answers are always McDavid, Dreisaitl, guys like that. Mm-hmm. But overall, who won it last year? I wanted to pull those up, but I couldn't. Dreisaitl. Dry, that's right, he did. Uh, we mentioned it earlier for reasons of Nathan McKinnon. I think it's this. Uh, this might be a very big coming out season for McKinnon. I might say his name a couple of times in these discussions, um, but Art Ross is for sure his. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. just the fact of Colorado playing against L.A., Anaheim, and San Jose eight times each. He, there's going to be some numbers like that'll be interesting to see too. Is the fluctuation of numbers between divisions mm-hmm. uh, because there are more bad teams than others? But um, I think McKinnon will take the art ross this season i'm not going to say how many points just because oh yeah, yeah. 56 I, I games <laughs> let's let's go 75 points as i was say north of 70 at least but not much and that's probably what it's going to take to win the art ross this year is north of 70 points you're definitely going to need to have more than a point a game and honestly i, I talked about this in code a couple of episodes ago actually our last episode and I think the winner of the Art Ross Trophy this year is going to be one Sidney Crosby. I think he is primed to go out and have the season to end all seasons, the best of his latter stages of his career. And he's going to go put over not only just a point a game, which he's done in every single season since he's came into the league, but he's going to put over way more than a point a game. I think he's going to finish between 75 and 80 points. And I think he's just barely going to edge out the likes of Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid. The one issue, of course, being that he plays in a much stronger division. But considering the fact that he has had more time off in this past year than he has ever before during an in-between season break, the fact that he's coming off of a season in which he did not play his best hockey, not only that, he had a single in-season surgery for the very first time in his entire NHL career, which has been riddled with injuries. But I feel like he comes out this year with something to prove, and I think he proves it especially if he gets a full season with Jake Gensel. And whenever Kasperi Kapanen decides to join us in Pittsburgh, I think Sidney Crosby comes out with the Art Ross. That'd be so much fun. It would be a lot of fun. It would just be fun. I like that. Let's go to Rocket Richard. My Rocket Richard winner is somebody who I believe almost had it last year, was just a goal off. He was on pace to become the first 50-goal scorer since Rick Vive in Toronto. My Rocket Richard winner this year is Austin Matthews. It's about time that he wins it, isn't it? it? You know what? It is about time he wins it. Um, I, really, My answer is going to be uh, very wide open, so I'm just going to leave it at uh, you continuing. Any, if you have any more to say on Austin Matthews winning it? No, I, I'm basically done. It's pretty, pretty simple. The guy had over 45 goals last year. He was on pace for 50 if they would have finished the season. It sucks for him that, that t- they got that taken away, but I'm sure he'll get 50 again whenever there's an 82-game season. Okay, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's I mean, it's still possible to get fifty this year. Uh, my, yeah. wow, 
possible, but we'll see. My uh, rocket this year is uh, literally anyone not named Ovechkin. You, that's I, just hoping. I mean, it is. to say that my Crosby pick for Art Ross isn't, but... Um, yeah, I'm going to leave it as that. That's my final answer because it's, you know, it's been his trophy for the past however many years. Yeah, Crosby snuck one in there. And aside from Ovechkin, it's been, I mean, it's just been Ovechkin's trophy for the past 10 years, basically. <laughs> um, I just Honestly, since he came into the league. Yeah, I am just saying this year he's not winning it. It's not going to be him. It's going to be one of the other however many hundred NHL players there are. Uh, as to if I had to pick one, uh, if I had to pick one, uh, Patrick Laine, because reasons of why the hell not? I got them winning the division, and uh, that might be a reason for it. Yeah, if you're saying Patrick Laine is going to win the Rocket Richard, it would stand to reason that the Winnipeg Jets would are going to have a very good season as well. So, I mean, I like it. You're picking a long line the rest of your picks. I mean, I will say, like, my final answer is not anyone but Ovechkin. With a, with a uh, caveat, with a back card or a undercard of Patrick Lina, yes. There you go, buddy. Well, I the Rocket Richard is something that has belonged to basically just Ovechkin for the past fifteen seasons, and I don't want to say that I don't think he's going to be close to it. I think he's a very serious contender, as he has always been since he stepped foot in the NHL. But just this year, I feel like Austin Matthews outclasses, not outclasses him, but outweighs him when it comes to the best sniper in the league. Let's go to the Jennings Trophy, which is the goalie given, the goalie, the award given to the goaltenders who allow the least amount of goals. Who do you think, which team or which pair of goaltenders are going to allow the least amount of goals in this weird 56-game season? Um, going back to my Colorado lines, it's going to be their year because, because they're against such a weak scoring division, kind of, um, in the three Canadian teams and possibly Arizona. Uh, Grubauer and Franzuz might just win it by default because there's not going to be a ton of scoring in that division outside of Colorado. Yeah, that that's fair. And you said Canadian, but I know you meant Californian teams. Yeah. But I agree with you. That is a good point. And honestly, I don't even have to say my argument because that was my argument there. But my argument goes for Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard out of Las Vegas. Okay. I think they win the Jennings Trophy. I think Vegas has always been a team that does not allow goals very often. And now adding somebody like Alex Petrangelo, also being in the division, like you mentioned, I will give you credit where credit is due. That was a good point. I agree with it wholeheartedly. But I also think Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard are two guys that in the past three years have both been up for Vezina trophies. And I think if they are healthy, and by they, I mean their entire team. And if they can figure out ways to score, I think they're going to be a great team this year. And I think they're going to allow the least amount of goals. They're going to struggle against Colorado, as anybody will. Yeah. But I do believe they will win the Jennings this year. And that's fair. I like that one, too. It would be awesome to see Flurry win something, win an award like that. Yeah, and it would have to take something that is skill-based and not vote-based because we really don't think Mark andre Fleury is going to win anything vote-based. But Damn. <laughs> let's get into those vote-based ones. Let's start with the Calder Trophy. I mean, is there anybody else besides Alexi Lafreniere that this is going to go to? Who's, who is even a rookie this year? I mean, you me. have Tim Stutzla out idiot. of Ottawa. You have Quentin Byfield if he plays in L.A. Me. Who else is a rookie this year? Then also remembers the entire top ten of the draft. Um, <laughs> Marco Rossi. Yeah. We mentioned him earlier. Yeah, so, uh, but let's be real. It's it's his to lose at, for now. 
Like, let's start yeah. there. It's definitely his at the moment. Um, yeah, it's his to lose, and it's just a matter of what he does with New York. It's very well possible that he falls off a cliff, but uh, we just don't see that happening, and it's probably just going to be Lafreniere's award because of A, popularity, B, he'll probably prove it. He'll probably prove to be one of the better uh, players in the league. And, I mean, yeah, there's a ton of other great rookies coming up this year, but like I mentioned, I mean, I forgot the names. <laughs> so who knows who else it would be? Because when you think of rookies in the league this year, Lafreniere is your first thought nine out of ten times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there are other great players. I mean, it'll probably the final three will probably be Lafreniere by field if he plays and Stutzel because that's just the way it might roll. And it'll just be interesting to see. I think Marco Rossi throws his hat in the ring there a a little bit too. I think he's more NHL ready than a lot of these players. He played really well with the Ottawa 67s last season. So I could see him throwing his hat in the ring. The big thing is the division that Lafreniere plays in, if he performs in that division, it's going to be that much more impressive, especially to the voters. So if he performs in the East division against the guys like Boston, against guys like Washington, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, any of those teams, he's going to get the nod and he's going to get the Calder trophy it is his to lose, as you mentioned, so I don't think there's anything else to say on that point. Next, we're going to talk about the Norris. I have a, a guy that I think, I mean, he finished in the top 10 last year. He's kind of an almost a no-name to people unless they really follow the game of hockey, at least to the level that we do, which is half decently, I'll say. I won't give us too much credit. Who do you have for the Norris before I say my guy? Uh, Victor Hedman. Because the Norris That's a safe is a, pick. Because, yeah, because the Norris <laughs> is a very lazy trophy. Or at least it's voted very lazily, I should say. It's not a lazy trophy to win. You kind of do have to be good. But yeah, when it comes to <laughs> but yeah. But when it comes to picking the player who wins the Norris every year, it's always the lazy pick. And I think this year is gonna be no different in Victor Hedman. That's fair. And, and last year I was correct. This was one of the ones that I predicted correctly when I said Roman Yossi at the beginning of the season. And I was correct. Yeah. I'm not gonna predict a back to back because in Norris trophies, unless your name is Victor Hedman, you don't really get that opportunity very often. Or Bobby Orr. But I think or, or, well, Bobby Orr, if you want to make it completely relevant. But I think Jacob Slavin wins it out of Carolina this year. I was thinking him too, but then I didn't remember how lazy of a trophy this is. Uh, it is a lazy trophy, but Slavin finished in the top 10 last year, so yeah. he's on the radar. And I think he's if he's able to have a good season and that team and that division is going to be as high up in the standings as we believe they're going to be, I think he gets a little bit more recognition, especially with how they played last year and how – good they looked last year now they have the eye of the national media and with that if they go out and come in the top three him being the leader on defense there it'll get him a lot of votes and i think that'll get him enough to get the norris this year yeah and i like that choice i mean i went i was thinking him or dougie hamilton as well but um again caroline just gets no respect sometimes so that's another reason yeah they're a bunch of jerks though so i mean why would you respect them that exactly I mean, it's just... We don't have to worry about that because they're not in our division. But uh, Vezina Trophy last year to Hellebuck, I feel like considering you put Winnipeg in first, yep. I'm predicting you're going to say Hellebuck here. Yep, I think it's a repeat just because he is that good and he's going to continue to be that good. And I think he'll get more... He'll obviously get more help from his defense this year. Mm-hmm. I think they've learned a lot last year and, you know, it shouldn't be as much of a revolving door. Their Bufflin situation is figured out and it's his team and... I. You know, if I have them winning the North, yeah, Connor Hellbuck can repeat. I mean, he did just win it, so we know he's got that ability to do it again. Plus, a shorter season. I mean, how many games did he play last year? Wasn't it, like, a lot? 
it, it was a hefty amount, especially because I believe his backup was Lorraine Brossois, who was absolutely awful. And it doesn't help when they don't have the defense, but Hellebuck was able to bridge that gap. Brossois was not. That's why Hellebuck got the bulk amount of time. Uh, do you have the number right there that how many games he played? He played 58. I'm guessing 60. Oh, okay. He played 58. I mean, the last three seasons, oh, good Lord. He has played 58, 63, and 67. And then 56 Ooh. the year before that. So the last four years, he has played as many games as we are playing this year. Yeah, the schedule's a little bit different this year, but he has still played that sample size yeah. in a lot in, in a larger amount of time. But he, it doesn't mean anything other than the fact that he can carry that load. Yeah, so we know he can do it. I mean, hell, yeah, he's not going to play all 56 games this year. But in the 30 or 40 he might play, they're going to be he's going to get some they're going to get a good amount of wins for this team he's going to make a ton of saves and he had six shutouts last year he probably won't have six again this year but i mean he's going to make a ton of saves he's going to make a lot of moves this year and the team has improved around him i expect him to repeat honestly and that and i would have chosen hellebuck i think to repeat even if i didn't have them winning the division well, just like your your Rocket Richard pick, your Vezina pick goes in line with your divisional standings pick. So I like it. I like the continuity, Horwath. Yep. I think it's a good job. But my Vezina pick goes to Tuka Rask. Uh, if anything, he deserves it after the crap he got from Boston <laughs> Media last year. But that's not why they vote people for the Vezina. I think he's going to have a great season. I think it's going to be even more impressive considering the fact that they lost Zidane Chara, that they lost Tory Krug, that they don't have... Posternacher Marshawn at the beginning of the year and with him being in first place in, in the east which is where I predict them to go so again continuity on my side now I think that gives it to Tuka Rask he does have a good backup in Halak but I still feel that he is a guy that every year similar to what Connor Hellebuck is gonna be now he is a guy every year that gets an advanced look when it comes to Vesna before he even touches the ice and I think this is the year that he shows enough that they get the votes for him so I think Rask gets the Vezina. And let's finish it off with the heart before we give our Stanley Cup predictions. And because reasons of Nathan McKinnon, yes. Nathan McKinnon will be the heart trophy. Of course he will be. He came in second last year. He's going to carry his team even more this year. And yeah, reasons of Nathan McKinnon. That's all. Thank yeah, you. With Sidney Crosby winning the Art Ross in my predictions, it is going to be hard to not give him the heart if that is something that comes to pass. But I still feel like Nathan McKinnon, the way that he plays and the way that his team is going to play this year, that's going to be the edge over Sidney Crosby in the end. I have McKinnon getting the heart. You, I'm guessing you said you already have McKinnon as well. Yep. So we both think Nathan McKinnon is in for a very good season. That is our official prediction from the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Let's get to the Stanley Cup. Horwat, who is in the Stanley Cup finals? And then after we both say that, we'll decide who we both think are going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Okay, real quick, rehash out what's going on. It goes from... You play your division, then it's they're just going to reseed it, the top four? Then they reseed it. After the, you play the it, top four in each division, make the playoffs, they basically play a tournament in a division, and the four division champions are going to meet in a reseeded semifinal. Okay, so that's going to be very interesting. So this could, I mean, I could just pick anyone. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, oh, man. You know what? Yeah, we're going to say what kind of probably what I had last year. Uh, Penguins in Colorado, because... Uh, I love both teams. Uh, obviously, I'm a I'll, the, my Penguins pick is a homer pick. Let's be honest. I have no other reason than, than for that. And Colorado because of reasons of Nathan McKinnon. How many times are we going to say that all GD year? 
at least one more time because for reasons of Nathan McKinnon, I have the Colorado Avalanche in my Stanley Cup Finals prediction, but I do not have them facing the Pittsburgh Penguins <laughs> as much as I would like to say that. Yeah. And trust me, I will love to be wrong if the Pittsburgh Penguins make the playoffs, but I think it's going to be the Colorado Avalanche and the Carolina Hurricanes. Ooh. I think the bunch of jerks go the whole way to the Stanley Cup Finals this year, and I think we could probably say it at the same time. Who's winning the Stanley Cup this year? Penguins. <laughs> Never mind, we can't say it at the same time. I'm, I'm taking Colorado. You're, you're going with a homer pick the whole way. Oh, oh, That's I, fine. Always go the homer pick the whole way. Uh, once things get down to actual playoff discussions, whenever that happens, uh, then we'll get into that. I'm sure I'll be a homer then, too. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, if, if I had to take my homerism out of it, yeah, Colorado all the way as well. But for now, I like my two of Pittsburgh, Colorado, and um, I have Penguins winning in the homerism pick, and then if you're taking homerism out colorado yeah i'm going colorado for reasons of nathan mckinnon but that is i think the last time we're gonna say that on this episode as we have one last thing to say we have the pittsburgh pens poll that we have to go through for this week of course this week's pens poll was which of these stanley cup moments is your favorite to remember the four that we picked are four moments that i know i certainly like they were all moments in the stanley cup finals not exactly the playoffs there are moments that we like from the playoffs leading up to these moments, but the finals was the question. Marc-Andre Fleury robbing Nicholas Lidstrom in 2009 won the poll because it is obviously one of the most iconic moments in Penguins history. That won the poll with 34%. Mario Lemieux beating Casey in 91, the iconic, his most iconic goal, 26%. Connor Sherry sniping in overtime of game two in 2016. That also got 26%, so surprisingly that tied Lemieux's goal over Casey and in last place was Jake Gensel's game one winner after the Penguins failed to get a shot on goal for over 30 minutes of ice time and then he finally broke it open in game one changing the landscape of that series that got 14% of the vote but like I said Flurry in 09 came in first Lemieux in 91 in second Sherry in 16 and then Gensel in 17 Horowat which one was the most memorable to you and your favorite? To me, I'm taking the one that uh, had the least percentage there. It's Jake Gensel's goal because, A, it's the one I remember the most because it was the most recent, and my mind is – it's the most recent in my mind for sure. And because I can vividly remember sitting – I was watching the game. I was watching with two buddies, mine, Tyler and Zach. And I – Doc or – yeah, Doc said, like, the Penguins haven't had a shot in this amount of time. And I said, next one's going in. Then two, not even two minutes later, Gensel rip, rips that shot and goes in. And I just was like, I told you. <laughs> I said it. I'm sure you weren't that calm. I definitely wasn't that calm, but it was definitely a point of, I said it. I told you. It ha it happened. <laughs> and I haven't been able to predict a damn thing like that ever since. <laughs> but Well, that, that's great considering this whole episode was predictions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of these moments are definitely memorable moments. For me, of course, my favorite moment is Marc-Andre Fleury beating Nick Lidstrom. I mean, not only was it the first time I saw the Pittsburgh Penguins win a Stanley Cup in my lifetime, it was a team that had beat them just the year prior in what was really one of the most heartbreaking losses of my entire sports fandom, up to this point as well. Losing to the Red Wings in Game 6 on home ice, it was devastating. So being on their home ice, final seconds, being so close to doing it. Game 7 in what is now known as one of the best Game 7s in at least this century. 
and the, the best moments in this century as well. Marc-Andre Fleury comes over, makes a huge save. Not only did he make a huge save, but he makes a huge save on one of the greatest defensemen of all time, Nicholas Lidstrom, in Detroit to win the Stanley Cup. Like I said, the first time I've seen it, the adversity that team had that entire year, not to mention getting to beat Marion Hosa, who, mm-hmm. who wanted to win a Stanley Cup so bad, he went to Detroit, and that felt good as well in that moment. But the fact that I was very young, that is one of the best Penguins memories I've had in my childhood. And as much as I loved watching Cherry's snipe in 2016 as I was at the big screen or Jake Gensel's snipe in 17 where I was also at the big screen, it was that Game 7 winner that literally sealed the deal for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that is why that one was my favorite. And that's why I was not surprised that our listeners voted the same way. Yeah, it it makes it is i mean a little bit of recency bias can be thrown in there as well as to why the sheary one um was tied for second i mean i was at that game where sheary scored i remember watching crosby line sheary up and say i'm going to get it here you're going to stand here and shoot it and he still looked surprised when it came to a stick exactly um but i can remember like i remember crosby like not not like pushing him over but just like lightly gliding him like you're going to stand here Latang is going to give you the <laughs> positioning puck. Him, yeah right? and then it all happened so watching that play out was incredible i mean like i said i said the next next shot's going in for the penguins i mean we weren't alive for the uh mario one but we've 91. seen it at nauseum and then there is the flurry one it is the first is the biggest moment for us at that time i mean shit we were 10 12 12 2009 was what we would have been 12 uh, yeah yeah um so we would have been 12 and it was like the it was the biggest moment for us at the time and the only thing that would have made that play better is if it was hosa taking the shot but it was lindstrom who again no slouch but you know it was kind of all perfect that it happened for flurry i like your choice as well these are all phenomenal moments that will never be forgotten um but I had to take my pick because I called it. That's all. <laughs> there you go. Hey, you always pick the one that makes you look the best, right? Exactly. That is the n- rule number one of podcasting. Do whatever makes you look best. Or make up <laughs> facts. Make, I, don't, I don't know about make up facts. Okay, wow. <laughs> okay, I can't think of one. I've just heard that before. <laughs> if you oh, have okay. a podcast, oh, everything you say is right. Fair enough. And everything that we've said on this podcast is right especially our predictions somehow we're both going to be right in every single prediction we've made considering they were all different from each other but that is going to be it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg a long episode of the tip of the iceberg but this is our official prediction show for the 2021 nhl season horwat anything else to say before we send the folks home before we see them on thursday our wi-fi made it today it did (laughs) it did make it today and we do like i mentioned have an interview coming up next week for the 100th episode of the tip of the iceberg where we're hoping you tune into that mm-hmm. and there were wi-fi issues with that but again still a great interview that we got and we'll announce that a little bit later either in this week or early next week but that's going to be it for us on this episode of the tip of the iceberg episode 97 have a good week thanks fans. you can follow us on twitter at nick horwatt 41 and at nick underscore berlansky You can also follow the show's Twitter handle, at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network.
You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.